1: Hi, thanks for joining us for this episode of the Health Essentials Podcast brought to you by Cleveland Clinic. I'm your host, Cassandra Holloway. We're broadcasting from Cleveland Clinic's main campus in Cleveland, Ohio, and we're here today with Dr. Alexandra Ratchitskaya. Thanks for being here.
0: Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Before we begin, we want to remind our listeners that this is for informational purposes only and should not replace your own physician's advice. Dr. Skaya is an ophthalmologist at Cleveland Clinic's Cole Eye Institute, and today we're going to be talking about eye health when it comes to flashers and floaters. So most people at some point in their lives will experience small specks or threads appearing in front of their vision. And I think when it comes to our eyes and ultimately our vision, that can be really scary, right?
0: Absolutely. I think it's it's a very important topic, actually, because it's probably the question that I get asked the most, uh, even by the members of my own family. You know, my mom would call and be like, you know, I have the this, this symptoms. What do I do? And um, I think it's important because a lot of times it might not be dangerous, but in some circumstances, it actually could be a sign of something serious going on in the eye and that's why it's important to get examined if you have new uh, floaters and flashes so just to get oriented if we think about the eye the way the eye is you have the front part of the eye right the clear cornea the lens where the cataract forms and then you have the back part of the eye where the retina is and the retina is the tissue that captures the information that comes through the front part of the eye and translates it and sends it to, back to the brain and that's how we see we see with our brain. In front of the retina, there is this jelly-like substance called vitreous, Okay, and the floaters form in that space. So the floaters, the most common cause of floaters is something called posterior vitreous separation or posterior vitreous detachment. But also the floaters can form from bleeding in the eye and inflammation in the eye.
1: So what are, when you say floaters, what are they actually in your eye? Are they tissue? Kind of, what are they? Of course. So if, you, uh, if we think about that jelly,
0: with time, the jelly actually changes its consistency. It's a normal process of aging. So usually people don't get floaters until their 50s and 60s. And as the jelly changes its consistency, it liquefies in some spots and condenses in other spots. And, as it pulls away from the retina that generation of posterior vitreous separation, that's when people see the floaters and the floaters, as you mentioned, can be different. It can be little specks, it can be uh, clouds, it can be spiders or medusas. you know I heard all kinds of different descriptions it's you know it's up to a person's imagination of how they describe it and um, So that's when it's uh, jelly separating. When it's bleeding, it's actually the blood itself that uh, creates a floater, or when it's inflammation, it's inflammatory cells that create the floater.
1: So when people are experiencing floaters, it's not actually on the front of their eye, right? It's kind of more in the back.
0: Correct. And a lot of times, it's funny you mentioned, because people come in and they say, you know, I saw this thing and I thought it was like my mascara or uh, eyelash. And I tried to rub, or I was like swatting at these, you know, at these flies and nobody else was seeing the flies. So yes, it is inside the eye, but the way uh, it gets projected on the retina, so it appears as if it's in front of your vision.
1: So that is... The floater aspect of this. Correct. So let's talk a little bit about the flashes aspect. How would you describe that to a patient?
0: So flashes usually, uh, out of all these conditions that I mentioned, flashes are most commonly associated with posterior vitreous detachment. And the flash is generated as the jelly kind of pools on the retina and uh, people see fireworks. And usually it's more pronounced in the dark environment. So a lot of times when patients come in, they say, you know, I woke up, I saw these floaters and as the day went on, when I went, went into a dark room, I saw flashing.
1: Gotcha. Um, Is it common to have both flashers and floaters?
0: Yes. So you uh, you can experience floaters alone, you can experience flashes alone, or you experience both. And in both eyes, I assume? So usually um, when it's uh, posterior vitreous separation, it's usually one eye at a time. But most commonly what happens, one eye goes through, through posterior vitreous separation. Like, like I said, it's a normal process of aging. And then the other eye usually have, does the same in about a year period. Kind of follows. Follows, through, yes. Gotcha.
1: So let's talk about causes then. I guess with both flashers and floaters, what are some of the most common causes of these? Okay.
0: So when we talk about uh, the posterior vitreous separation, that's probably accounts, I would say, for majority of patients who have uh, flashes and floaters. And it, ha- it actually happens to most of us, but some people notice it more and some people notice it less. Uh, In and of itself, the posterior vitreous separation is not dangerous. But why is it important to be seen? It's important to be seen because uh, as the jelly moves away from the retina, it can pull on the retina, create a retinal tear, and a retinal tear could lead to retinal detachment. And retinal detachment could be, if untreated, a blinding condition. So that's why it's so important uh, to be evaluated. So when somebody comes in and sees uh, an ophthalmologist, an eye doctor for uh, flashes and floaters, they get their eyes dilated, so we put drops in. Uh, you know, makes your vision blurry, but it allows us to look inside the eye and see a. What are the floaters? What do the floaters mean? Is it posterior vitreous separation? Is it blood? Is it inflammation? And then we look at the peripheral retina very carefully uh, to make sure that there is no tears or retinal detachment. If you have a tear, uh, we treat it the same day with laser. If you have a retinal detachment, then a person might need surgery. Because that's the more serious. That's very serious. Departure. Yes, and uh, retinal detachment—if—if—if uh, if, if the retina re- separates completely, people can lose vision. Now, in majority of posterior vitreous detachment, I would say over eighty percent people don't have tears or ret- uh, uh in majority of uh, vitreous separation, they don't have tears or retinal detachments, uh, but. Um, you can't tell uh, unless you get your eyes dilated. And it can happen without any risk factors, but we also know that some people are particularly susceptible uh, to develop uh, retinal tears and retinal detachments. It's usually patients who have a history of being nearsighted, meaning that they can't see distance uh, without glasses or contact lenses, because their eye tends to be longer than the average eye, so the periphery of the retina where the tears usually form is a little weaker. Also, people who have have history of trauma, uh, people who were born early as babies, uh, premature, uh, formerly premature uh, babies, uh, people who uh, have, have a fam- have family history of retinal tears and retinal detachments, and also people who have had any eye surgery. Those, uh, those patients are at particular risk of developing retinal tears and retinal detachments. So it is hereditary then, essentially. There is a component to it. A all, to be yeah. honest with you, majority of people don't have any of those risk factors. But when somebody does, we we
1: uh, take it even more seriously. Gotcha. So when you talk about this posterior vitreous detachment. Mm-hmm. Is age, just getting older, a risk factor for this happening? Yes, yes. So
0: usually it doesn't happen in people um, younger than 50, usually. Uh, Now, if somebody has um, some other eye problems, it might happen sooner. Uh, But it's usually a normal process of aging, just the way our body uh, ages. Um, But, you know the the important thing i think you know we all might see a floater once in a while you know maybe you have seen a floater i I've, I've seen like random floaters but this is this is not subtle you know you notice that there is a problem and um i think the important message is if something changes like that a lot of us think, well, I'm just going to wait it out. You know, things are going to get better. This is something you want evaluated because if there is some problem, the sooner we catch it and able to treat it, the better are the visual
1: outcomes. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely makes sense. So what about migraines and headaches? I feel like there's a lot of kind of correlation between if you experience migraines and you, you get these floaters or flashers or both.
0: Yeah. So the um the visual symptoms that people get with migraines are slightly different. You usually don't get the floaters, but you can get flashes. And usually they're slightly different flashes than the flashes of posterior vitreous detachment. They're more uh, geometric in in kind of um, shape. A lot of people describe seeing zigzag lines or they see like a comet. And usually that can happen in younger patients. So uh, when somebody comes in, you know, we evaluate to make sure the, the retina is fine. But a lot of times if somebody suffers from migraine, and ocular migraines. And ocular migraine can actually happen without the headache. You can just get the ocular symptoms. And then we work with their primary care doctor if it's something that uh, bothers
1: them a lot. I'm curious, you mentioned about shapes. I have a friend who said she's seen the same shaped floater for years and years. Is that common?
0: Yes. So what happens is if you have a posterior vitreous detachment, uh, initially you see a lot of floaters and flashes, and as the time goes on, the symptoms get better. But a lot of times, the floater persists. If if you're lucky, the floater kind of migrates out of, migrates out of the center of the vision, and it's not as bothersome. But sometimes people continue seeing floaters, and um, they know exactly the shape of that floater, and. Um, in most patients, our brains actually perceive this as useless information and ignore it. So what happens is, initially you, you notice the floater; it really bothers you. And as time goes on, it can take months. The floater kind of fades, and you don't notice it unless you look for it. But yes, um, you know, a lot of patients we talk about
1: their friendly floaters. You know, the same guy kind of floating around. Yeah. Is there any correlation between diabetes and eye health and seeing these flashers or floaters? So that's a very important uh, point. Uh, When a patient has diabetes,
0: they can get floaters, but it's usually not from the jelly itself, like in posterior vitreous detachment, but due to diabetic eye disease. And... um, Similar also in inflammation, in patients who have what's called uveitis. It's not, um, it's an, it happens in the same space, but it's due to a different cause. So a patient with diabetes, it's so uh, essential to be checked by an eye doctor if you carry a diagnosis of diabetes, even if you have no symptoms. Because what happens is that when we look inside the eye, we are able to see diabetic eye disease before patients develop symptoms. By the time if you are diabetic and you start bleeding inside the eye, you already have a very advanced uh, level of diabetic retinopathy because what happened, abnormal blood vessels have grown and they have bled. And when patients with diabetes come in and they have bleeding in the eye, a lot of times they need injections in the eye, laser in the eye, and even surgical intervention.
1: So I guess if you are pre-diabetic or you have diabetes, it's advice to see a eye doctor and make sure this is under control. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Especially if if you're being treated uh, uh, for diabetes. And usually the primary care colleagues do recommend uh, uh, annual exams. And you don't necessarily need to see a retina specialist like myself, but any eye doctor just for a general checkup to make sure that there's no signs of diabetic retinopathy. And if somebody does have signs of diabetic retinopathy, then they get to see a retina
1: specialist. Sure. Makes sense. Keep that in your toolbox. Okay. Do you want to play a quick game of true and false? Oh, let's do it. <laughs> Lots of questions on the internet about what causes these kind of flashers or sure. floaters. So do stress and, stress or anxiety cause flashers or floaters? Um, so it's, it's hard to do true <laughs> or false. Just So
0: I think uh, stress and anxiety don't cause the posterior vitreous detachment, but stress and anxiety are known to provoke migraines. So... Which can cause
1: that. Which can cause the symptoms of flashes, correct. Gotcha. How about being tired or having dry eyes? So not really. Um, I think
0: dry eyes can cause uh, other visual symptoms. And I think patients who have floaters and have dry eyes, their vision is more compromised. So it's uh, dry eye is... usually a chronic problem, and there's uh, good solutions in terms of artificial tears. And I always tell my patients with floaters, if they're bothered by the dry eye, if they kind of clear that window of the eye, remember we were talking in the beginning, it just makes
1: their vision better. Sure, makes sense. What about eye strain? You know, from looking at a computer screen or a phone screen, does that cause it? So it doesn't cause it, but uh, I
0: think if you have a floater, it sometimes is challenging, especially when you have a new onset of floaters, because you're looking at the white background and you can see like little things floating there. But it doesn't cause it. Gotcha. And then the last one: what about sun or bright lights? So I think if you if you're in a in a bright environment, the floaters once again would be more pronounced. When you already have them, but it wouldn't cause it. And uh, we always advise um, uh, our patients to be careful with uh, sun exposure, to wear sunglasses uh, to prevent other eye conditions. Obviously, don't stare at the sun and
1: don't look at the eclipse. Yes,
0: great advice. <laughs>
1: um, so, I want to talk about diagnosis and treatment. So, you kind of touched on this a little bit. So, if someone starts experiencing these symptoms. It's your advice to be seen right away, correct?
0: Correct. So uh, usually what happens is uh, if, if you if you have an established eye doctor, you should call the your eye provider. And if you don't, you know, you can call Coli Institute. And uh, we have actually a clinic where we see patients with acute um, emergencies or uh, things like that. So be seen, and then uh, it's, it's important to know what happens when you come in. Like I mentioned, we do dilate the eyes because that's the only way for us to look inside the eye. And then after
1: that, you can kind of make a treatment
0: plan Correct. For you Yeah. And it depends what we find. If it's just uh, the posterior vitreous detachment, we usually uh, tell the patients to uh, watch for any new symptoms. If the floaters get worse, if you see a shadow that doesn't go away, because that could mean retinal detachment, if uh, you see new flashes to be seen right away. Uh, because even after the first exam, you're still at risk uh, to develop retinal tears and retinal detachment as the jelly moves inside the eye. We we also advise against super strenuous activity, you know, in the immediate uh, time period. And then we bring them back usually in about a month or so to double check and make sure nothing new developed. And um, with, uh, if we find something else, like we, a patient uh, has diabetes, then they might need intervention even the same day. Or a patient, if they have inflammation in the eye condition called uveitis, they might need treatment for that and trying
1: to find the cause for that. You touched on a little bit of treatment here and there. So I guess the main, if the main cause is this posterior vitreous detachment. Fixing that is like first and foremost. Is there any other treatment that's available?
0: So there's no way. So once the jelly separates, it doesn't go back. Okay, so if the person just has a posterior vitreous detachment, we follow them and make sure they don't have any complications such as retinal tear and retinal detachment. But there's no way to fix it. You know, there's no way to, to put it where where it used to be. So uh, that's that's kind of a management for that. And then. Um, and then if there's uh, a retinal tear, then we usually uh, laser it, and it's a procedure that's done in the clinic. Uh, so what it is, is um, there's a lot of bright lights, and we kind of create a laser barricade around the tear, and it scars down so that the fluid can get through the tear under the retina and detach it. And if somebody has a retinal detachment, most commonly they need surgery,
1: and that's surgery in the eye where it's done in the operating room. So in some cases, the flashers or floaters will always be there. And it's just you have to learn to manage that.
0: Right. Usually the flashes go away um, and then the floaters, they can persist to some degree. But usually it does get better as the time goes on. Gotcha. Gotcha.
1: So the last thing I want to touch on here is prevention. So if someone is listening to this podcast and they've experienced a couple flashers or floaters, obviously make an appointment with your eye doctor, get that checked out. But what about other things in terms of keeping your eyes safe? I know previously you mentioned wearing sunglasses. Are there any other kind of preventative measures that we should be taking? Sure. Sure.
0: I think uh, when we talk about eye health, I think it's eye is not separated from the rest of the body. So uh, make sure that if you have a chronic condition, whether it's high blood pressure, whether it's diabetes, where it's cholesterol, uh, make sure that is all under control, uh, because we can see manifestations of all those diseases in the eye. Uh, if you have any um, uh, any, any eye problems, uh, chronic eye problems, make sure you see your provider and follow up and, and uh, adhere to treatment. And um, I think also uh trauma is one of the risk factors, so if you're uh, in situations where you're either uh, work related or even home, you know if you're doing some some construction at home, make sure you wear protective goggles uh, it's surprising how many times we see patients with eye problems. And the story is, you know, I was wearing the goggles and I took them off for one second and then, you know, uh, this, this piece of metal flew into my eye. So all of those things are important. And I think uh, making sure that you have routine eye exams, you know, um, because like I mentioned, a lot of times we can see things in the eye uh, before they manifest in terms of visual symptoms. And uh, it's good to, to
1: catch that at an early stage. That's great advice. Awesome. So that's all the time we have today. Thanks for joining us. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. To learn more about eye health and minimizing your risk for flashers and floaters, visit clevelandclinic.org eye. If you want to listen to more Health Essentials podcasts featuring Cleveland Clinic experts, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or visit clevelandclinic.org slash HEPodcast. And don't forget, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Cleveland Clinic, all one word, to stay up to date on the latest health tips, news, and information. Thanks for listening.